Come on, but if it's alive, there should be some expressions of life. Come on, you should see smiles and teeth and rejoicing and hands lifted up and people really excited about who they are in God and who God is in them. You all ready for the Word of God today? All right, just love on two or three people today. Just tell them God bless them. God bless you. Let them know it's great to see you today. Then you can be seated. Praise God. It's good to compliment other people. Ladies should tell other ladies, you look nice today. Compliment each other. It's okay for men to compliment other men. All of that's good in God. Right? Now, today we're going to start a new series here. Now, on purpose, I have not taught on the subject of prosperity or finances. That's been on purpose. My thinking strategically was that you don't start something from the ground up and you start off talking about money. What I wanted to make sure was that you all understood that if you have high character, how many know the money will take care of itself? But at the same time, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you never talk about it, the people won't have faith for it. And so I've really taken my time. I probably looked at over 90 different verses uh, I never taught it this way, even at Faith Christian Center. How I many you know everyone should have a position about every subject in the Bible? And so, really, this will be my position over the next several weeks that I'll be delivering to Linked Up Church. Also, I want to make you all aware, I just was told by the business uh, manager on the ride in this morning, our 2015 audit is now complete. Uh, we will get a phone consultation at the top of next week, and then I will come with a date for you all so that we can uh, really be transparent with the congregation. How I many know when you do an audit, there's nowhere to hide? It's one thing about an audit, there is nowhere to hide. And what we want you to do is trust where you put your resources. And so what we're going to do, we're not going to do it the way we've done it in the past where we did it to the general population. How I many know the first-time visitors don't need to know all that stuff? And so we're going to do it before this service starts. So for those that are interested in that, you'll be able to come early. And we'll do it uh, after the second service in Atlanta. I'll end that service, dismiss all of those who desire to leave, and then we'll do it there. And actually, I won't do it. The business manager will present it, and then we'll answer any questions and different things like that. And I also want to talk strategy going forward, okay? How I many know we can't be mobile for the rest of our lives? All right, and so I'm going to talk strategy. You all will know where we're at, where we're trying to get to, and really what it will take to get there, okay? So now, let me kind of help you all follow along. We're going to look at a doctrinal view of prosperity. So this really is not a sermon over the next several weeks. We're going to look at the doctrine of prosperity, okay? And so what I'll do is kind of give an introduction today. I'll tell you what you need to write. What you want to do primarily is get all of the scriptures associated with what I say. We offer SoundCloud to you all, and so if you're really serious about this, you'll get what you can in service, then you'll go back and load up SoundCloud and pause it, write down notes, pause it, write down notes, and get all of this because we're getting ready to look at this holistically. And really, there's nothing you won't understand 
about God's will for your life in this area by the time that we're done. Then we're going to deal with about 14 different areas. I want you to get the the topic, the general subject, and then the scriptures that come along with that. Uh, There will be an outline, a general outline, but there's no way how many we can cover everything on an outline that will be said. So make sure that you get all of this because it'll be a tremendous blessing in your life. I will have a date for you all shortly after they do the phone consultation. We lock that down, put it in presentation form. Sometime this month or at the top of August, we will present to you all uh, where we're at and be very transparent with you all where the resources are concerned, okay? How many of y'all appreciate that? Amen. How many know you don't see that in a lot of churches? Amen. All right, but my position is if you don't have anything to hide, then what's wrong with disclosure? Amen. Right? Okay, now, the title of this series is Biblical Laws of Prosperity. Biblical Laws of Prosperity. And as we begin this study of prosperity and how it functions according to the Word of God, I want to read to you all three basic scriptures that will be the foundation for pretty much everything that we'll talk about from this moment forward, okay? And and really, let me help you all understand this as well. The whole foundation and purpose and foremost thought throughout this entire study is we're only going to look at what the Word of God says, we're not getting ready to look at what, it, what we think it says. We'll look at what it actually says. How I many know a lot of people are making decisions off of what they think it says as opposed to what it actually says? And so we're going to unfold and, and do all of that so that all of our believing can be founded in the Word of God. Okay? Go with me to Romans chapter 10, and let's look at verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. When you get there, say amen. See, anytime you hear the Word of God and you believe the Word of God and you act on the Word of God, how many of you going to release some power into your situation? Every single time. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 reminds us, so then faith cometh by hearing. Notice not by having heard. In the literal Greek there means hearing and hearing. And so when you want to build your faith on something, how many of you have to hear it multiple times, right? Just like watching a movie. How many of the second time you see the movie, you see things that you didn't see the first time, right? Second time you read a book, you read things and you understand things that you didn't the first time. And each time you get a better grasp of the movie or the book. Well, the Word of God is the exact same way. It's pregnant. It's constantly giving birth to new revelation. It'll take you to new facets of faith. As much as you desire to hear it, it will release that much faith and power into your situation. So faith comes by hearing or cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? So you can't get faith by watching television. How many of you can't get faith and grow in your faith by listening to the radio? Don't shout me down now. How many of your situation is not getting ready to change at the movie theater? If you want your situation to change then you've got to hear something from the Word of God that creates faith in your life when you act on what it is that you heard. Now, how many of us going to release the power of that Word into your situation? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as we read our basic Scripture text for, for this complete study, I want to show you something else. Go with me to John chapter 17, and we're going to read verse 17. John chapter 17, verse 17. John 17 17. When you get there, say amen. 
John chapter 17, verse 17. All right, watch this here. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. That word sanctify there means to set apart. If we're going to be different than the world or set apart from the world, the only way it's going to happen is through truth. You all agree with that? He says, sanctify them by your truth, and then he makes it real clear, your word is what? So people are going to present to you a lot of information over the course of your life, and a lot of it will be facts. How many of you know this will always, the truth will always override it? I don't care what your situation or your circumstance is today. I don't care what the odds look like. How many of you know this truth right here can supersede whatever odds you may be facing today? So notice what he said here. Set them apart through your truth. Your word is truth. Now, go with me to 3 John chapter 2. And we're going to get a clearer meaning of the word being truth. And when we read 3 John chapter 2, I want to substitute the word or substitute word for truth. And so when we read it, let's read it that way, okay? 3 John chapter 2. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Really, 3 John verse 2, not chapter 2. 3 John verse 2. I apologize. 3 John verse 2. Do you all have it? Now, watch this. Beloved. How many of y'all have people that you love in your life? Right? Don't you want the best for the people that you love? So right away he says here, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy what? For I greatly or rejoiced greatly When the brethren came and testified of the truth. Let's substitute truth for the word, right? So we can read that this way. I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the word that is in you. Even as thou walkest in the truth, let's substitute that. Even as thou walkest in the word, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth or walk in the Word. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my people are walking, living their lives in the Word of God. So notice he started off by saying, I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. But how many know you can't prosper in any of those areas if you're not walking in the Word? Right? You can attend church. You can be a faithful church attendee. But until you get this truth for yourself, see, today it's my truth. It won't become your truth until you take it home and put it in you and then act on it. All right? So he said, I'll have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth or walk in the Word. Now, it would be good to point out right here, just as a side note, that the Apostle John, when writing this, is extremely old at this time. Okay? He's a much older gentleman. But we also have to understand that he'd walked with Jesus 
from the time that Jesus was a child. So he'd been with Jesus his entire life. Now he's well stricken in age. Now he's a much older gentleman. And at the end of his life, how many know at the end of our lives, we start reflecting about what's the most important parts of our lives? Would you all agree with that? And so at the end of his life, he says, I wish above all things, right? And I rejoice greatly to hear that my children are walking in the Word, walking in the truth. And I wish above all things that they would prosper, be in health, even as their soul prospers. So he walked with Jesus. He watched him closely throughout his uh, earthly ministry. Now he's a wise old man, strong in the Lord. And he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. I think it's important, folks, that we prosper physically, that we prosper spiritually, that we also prosper in our mind, our will, and our emotions. There's a holistic view here. God just doesn't want you physically and financially successful, but spiritually you're busted up. Right? He doesn't want you just, uh, you know, where spiritually you're on a real high, but then your mind, your will, and your emotions are all out of whack. I mean, all of this has to be synchronized for you to walk in the fullness of what God wants for you. Now, I want to point out something here because tradition and religion has almost any time we hear money or prosperity in church, it takes us south. People start grabbing their pocketbooks. Oh, Lord, here we go again. We start forecasting what we think is getting ready to happen. I bet they're going to try to raise some kind of supernatural offering at the end of this service. And somehow over time, and again, some of it warranted because of what people have done, we've now heard these as negative terms, prosperity or money, right? Somehow tradition and religion has caused it to be so. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the message. But so our traditional ideas have kind of led us and religion has led us to believe that prosperity is bad or it's ungodly, okay? But, but let's watch this. Let's draw a logical conclusion, okay? And uh, 3 John 2, drop down to verse 11. Now, we want to make sure that John doesn't contradict himself here. Look at verse 11 here, and let's read this very closely. John wrote, and he believed that we should prosper and be in health. But then notice what he says here in verse 11. He says, beloved again, right? These are people that he's writing to that he really loves. We know all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, so it's for us today, right? So watch this. Beloved, you can almost put yourself in there and say your name. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil have not seen God. So then if prosperity is evil, then why would he want us to prosper? Right? Wouldn't this be schizophrenic if he said in verse 2 there, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health? And then he's telling you to follow that which is good, not which is evil. So if prosperity and health and all of those things were evil, then why would he tell us to follow those and wish those things for us above everything else? Doesn't make sense, does it? So you see there's something wrong with or there's nothing wrong with prosperity in and of itself. How I many you know God wants you to have as much as you can believe for? Yes. 
If you can believe for one billion, man, God has no problem with you having it. The only challenge is, is when the billion has you. Then there's destruction on the other side of it. There's nothing wrong with money. Money in and of itself is neutral. It only becomes something different based off of the condition of the heart of the individual who has it. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I personally believe God wants every single need that you have met. God wants you to get to a place where you owe no man nothing but the loving. God wants you to be able to take two to three vacations every year that you pay for them before the vacation even starts so that when you come home, you have no bills. I personally believe that if your kids are in private schools, he wants you to pay tuition when the tuition is due and not make monthly payments. Come on, somebody. I personally believe God wants all of us to get to a place where we walk into car dealerships, and when they say, who do you want to finance through, we say, I'm writing a check today. I believe ultimately that's where God wants all of us to get to. I believe we should have so much health in our bodies that we don't need to see a doctor before a regular routine checkup once a year to confirm what we already know about ourselves. Come on, I believe he wants our minds so sharp, come on, that we are not up all night worrying about things that we have no control over, right? He wants us emotionally so strong that we don't get tossed to and fro by everything that comes. God wants us solid as a rock in all aspects of our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Money by itself is neither good or evil. It only becomes something based off of the condition of the heart of the person who has it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The love of money is the what? Is the what? Now, this is a different statement here. Not of some evil. So when you see child pornography and murder and all the stuff that is in our world today, guess what's at the root of it? Do you understand what this just said? Anything that is evil that is happening in our world today, guess what's at the foundation of it? Not money, the love of money. Later on in that text, it says, through chasing it, people have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How do we know money by itself is not the problem? How many know you can, you can be broke and have lent in your problem and can sit, commit this sin all day, every day? Right? Just because... I mean, people are chasing it that don't even have it because they love it and willing to do anything to get it. If you turn on the news at night, what do you see for 30 minutes? Robbery, break-in, killing, murder, right? This person was carjacked. What's at the root of all of that? If you sit there and watch that all day long, do you know you'll be almost, it'll put fear in you to even travel places, right? Your kids start growing older. You don't even want them to, I mean, you can't live that way. You've got to trust that God is big enough to keep you and your children wherever you all travel. All right? And so money by itself is not evil. And having money is not evil. And listen to this, folks. God wants you to have, here's the key. Listen to how I'm saying this. As much 
as you can believe for. And there's no limit on what you can believe for. But the amount that you receive will be based off how much faith you have to walk in it. Everyone agree with that? All right, now. When John said we should prosper and be in health, he added the phrase, even as thy soul prospers. So man is a tripart being. Man is a spirit, has a soul that consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. How many of we live in a physical body? So thus there's spiritual prosperity, there's mental prosperity, and there's physical prosperity. Do you all agree with that? God wants us to prosper on all three of those levels, okay? Write this down. How to prosper spiritually. Write that down. How to prosper spiritually. It's a real simple answer. You can write the answer right next to it. You must be born again. You must be born again in order to prosper spiritually. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you make him the Lord of your life, your spirit man is reborn and brought into fellowship with the Father. We know the Almighty God who has all power in his hand. Then he puts you in position to receive from him everything that he's already promised in his word. So the moment you become born again, I mean, God himself comes and lives on the inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit, and then the more you read about him, the more you have access to everything that he's already promised you. And I don't care where you start at with this. I don't know of anyone who has a more challenging background than I had growing up. God can take you from where you are right now and take you straight to the mountaintop. Regardless of your background, your educational background, how many times you've been divorced. Come on, somebody. Single-parent household, two-parent household. It doesn't matter. Once you become born again, all bets are off. God can take you right there from that place through the Word of God and bring you to the highest place that you've ever dreamed about or ever imagined in your life. He's just that good. So if you're going to prosper spiritually, then it's going to come from the Word of God. Every promise that you find in the Word of God is available to you, and it can be yours. How I many of God said he will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Then there's no need that you have in your life that God has not already met. Right? And as you respond to the Word of God, you constantly by faith put yourself in position, watch this, to receive what he's already provided for you by grace. There's no way, folks, and I want you to understand how powerful this word is. There's no way I should be who I am today. Nine out of ten of my friends are either in jail, on drugs, or sold drugs in terms of kids that I grew up with. I grew up in my grandmother's home with 12 people in a three-bedroom house with two baths. Six uncles, one cousin, my mother, me and my brother, and my two grandparents, 12 of us, think about that for a moment, in a three-bedroom house with two bathrooms. We slept wherever you could, on the couch, on the floor, in the basement. You typically just slept wherever you fell asleep at, and you wake up the next morning. I don't recall ever owning a vehicle as a family until I was in the sixth grade. 
We walked and we caught the bus everywhere we went. If you're from the Detroit area, we grew up on Dexter and Davis, and it does not get much lower than that. If you've ever heard of YBI's Young Boys Incorporated, that was right down the block, around the block, on the other side of the block. That was our world growing up as kids. I've seen everything from drug addicts to people getting killed, murdered, jumped on, beat up, females getting raped. Folks, my background says I should be in jail today, but God. Come on, somebody. There's no way to prosper spiritually apart from God and the Word of God. Once I came in contact with this at the age of 22, how many know this has now made me the man? There's no man that can take credit for who I am today. Of course, he used men, but at the end of the day, it was God working through the person of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and my ability to respond by faith to what I believed he said that's brought me to the place of being a good husband, a good father, and now being able to be an example as a pastor to thousands of people. Folks, the Word of God can change your life for the rest of your life. It wipes out any excuse that you would try to bring to the table. Oh, I need a better amen than that in this place today. How do you prosper in your soul? See, we get the physical part. We get that, right? That's money, most of us. How do you prosper in your soul? Write that down. How do you prosper in your soul? I'm going to give you the answer. You must learn how to control your mind, your will, and your emotions. How do you prosper in your soul? You must, this is the answer, you must learn how to control your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, if you're like me, how many know all kind of thoughts go through my mind all day, every day? You ever just been somewhere and someone did something wrong? First thought come to your mind, slap them. <laughs> oh, I'm the only one that gets that thought. Right? Or go off on them. They said, what? They did what? All these thoughts go through our head every day. Right or wrong? So if you're going to prosper in your soul, you're going to have to learn how to control your mind, your will, and your emotions. Stupid thoughts come to my mind. Quit pastoring. You're wasting your time. They don't listen anyway. Leave your family. It's time for you to do you. You've been sacrificing long enough. Take all the money that comes in this month and spend it on yourself. You deserve it. Just leave and don't come back for months. <laughs> Demonic thoughts. Nothing in my life warrants me thinking that way. Just demonic thoughts. I, I'm not, don't sit there and look at me like you don't think some crazy stuff, too. How many of y'all be, be honest? Boy, some stuff go through here. There's a, Sometimes I ask myself, are you saved? You still saved? <laughs> Watch this now. I'm getting ready to educate you now over the next several weeks. Please pay attention. Watch this. These are things that you don't hear a lot about in church. 
Okay? So you see people prospering on one plane, usually it's spiritually, because what's going forth is the Word of God. Then they leave, and Monday is a shipwreck, Tuesday is a shipwreck. Come on, somebody. Wednesday is a shipwreck, and they crawl back into church on Sunday. Listen very carefully. Mind. Prosperity of the mind comes when you use the knowledge that has been accumulated, okay? So prosperity of the mind comes when you use the knowledge that has been accumulated. But listen very carefully. When you are controlling your mind, here's the key, instead of your mind controlling you. I mean, you know, you can find yourself in some places and you ask yourself afterwards, how did I get here? Anybody ever done that before? Doing some stuff that, how did I end up doing this? Well, that's because you weren't in control of your mind. Your mind was in control of you. So, in other words, the thought came and the thought controlled you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Mental prosperity. I know a lot of well-educated people that you end up asking yourself after being around them for a couple of hours. A lot of information up here. But if I don't know what to do with that information, and I can't control the other thoughts that come with that information, how many of I can take all that education and do dumb things with it? And be a crook and be a thief? They're called white-collar crimes. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We're to cast down imaginations... Listen very carefully. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, or we can say against the Word of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Make sure you write down this statement. You cannot control your mind without the Word of God being fully operative in you. You cannot control your mind without the Word of God being fully operative in you. So, in other words, the moment that thought comes, if there's not something stronger in that thought in you, that you can take that thought and snatch it and bring it into obedience to Christ, then how many know now, now you are not controlling your mind, your mind is controlling you. And you cannot control your mind. Your spirit man, through the Word of God, has to control your mind so that when the enemy comes to you and says that you're getting ready to die, I mean, if you don't have nothing in here, you're getting ready to be fearful, all messed up. Come on, somebody. Unless you know that the Word of God says you'll live and not die. Come on, somebody. The Lord God will heal me from every sickness and disease. By His stripes, I am healed. If you don't know that, then fear is getting ready to grip you, and you're getting ready to do some things based out of that fear that's actually going to give death more strength in your life. And I can go on and on and on about all of the different 
things that come to our head. The only way we can control our mind is through the Word of God. Really, think about it. I I just feel so weak right now. I feel hopeless. Where did you get that from? That is a demonic thought that the enemy put in your head to make you more weak and hopeless. When God said, come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, and in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Let me get that thought out of here and bring that thought into captivity. Get in the Word of God. Put on some praise and worship music. Come on, get my praise on. Get my worship on. Read what God said about my situation. And then bring that thought into captivity. You cannot prosper mentally without the Word of God. You cannot control your thoughts. So think about it. The only time you hear this is on Sundays. Boy, I hate to see what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you'll be all over the map all week long from I want to live. I don't know if I want to live. Hello, somebody. I want to go to work. I want to quit work. Why work anyway? We all going to die someday anyway. Listen, all these thoughts. Doctors say if you stop eating this, you'll get better. I'm not living in that kind of bondage. That's what the enemy will tell you. Why live in that kind of bondage? Everybody's going to die of something someday. You might as well enjoy that pork and all that salt. (laughs) Die happy. At 42. If you don't have something to combat that with, hello, somebody. How I many know there's not a day I wake up and I go, glory to God, let's go work out. Every day I wake up, take the day off. <laughs> Do it when you come home tonight, knowing I will, I'm not a night workout person, right? It's only Monday. There's still six days left. You can get it in on two. Switch the days up this week. <laughs> then you get there. See, it's crowded. Oh, it's too crowded today. <laughs> Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. This is all day, every day. And if you don't learn how to control your mind, your mind will control you. You all getting anything out of this today? I'm just introducing this to you today. Your will. Listen to this very carefully. God doesn't want a broken will that he can dominate. No more than you want to be married to somebody you can dominate. What makes our marriage work is that there's equality. I'm not trying to control her. She's not trying to control me. It's mutual respect. God doesn't want a a will that he can dominate, force to do something. He wants your will, listen to this, wholly in submission to his will so that the two of you can work together. Isn't that the way any healthy, successful relationship should work? Listen to this. When God made man... He gave him a will that has power. Okay, watch this. It is actually God-like. It's actually a God-like will because man has the choice to choose eternal life. Right? And so when I say man is God-like, I'm talking about lowercase g, not uppercase. But man is God-like. And how many of God will respect your right to go to hell? I see people all the time. They get shipwrecked when one of the spouse makes a decision to move on. That, that person has a will. 
Listen, that's not the end of life. you couldn't have done nothing wrong. Sometimes people are just crazy. And listen, you can't control another person's will. One thing I'm confident about with my wife, if I left her, she'd get ready to say, let that door hit you. Where the good Lord split you. And life is not getting ready to end for her. She knows she's fine, she's smart, she's intelligent, she's going to be all right with or without me. And that's comforting for me because I know I need to treat her right because she has options. (laughs) I don't go nowhere and and people not staring at her all the time, young and old. But listen, she got the same pressure on her. I told her my range is about from 25 to 50. You better stay on your game. So what you have here are two wheels that are in agreement with God's will that's making this marriage work. But at any point one of those wheels get off, it's getting ready to mess the marriage up. And in most cases, it has nothing to do with us. Somebody started making different choices. Their will went in a different direction. Just like employees, you can't control people. You got to let them go. Let them do what they, what they believe God, and vice versa. If we make that decision, you just got to gotta trust God. You just got to trust God at the end of the day, okay? Listen to this. God made man, he gave him this will. So we have the right to choose, okay? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's look at that very quickly. My time is running out. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to show you something here. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I love this verse. I mean, I love this verse. Whoo, I love this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God said, almost like in a courtroom, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Now, you got to understand what this is coming out of, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29, where he presented to them the blessings and he presented to them the curses, right? And so you would think it's real clear which way people would gravitate to, but it really isn't. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, he's trying to help them. Therefore, choose life so that both you and your seed may live. What a privilege, folks. Everything that I'm getting ready to present to you, the choice is yours. Isn't that interesting? In this context, God is saying, everything that I've already presented to you, the choice is yours. So when a man's soul is prosperous, his will is in line with God's will, right? 
How can you get your in line with God's will? Watch this very carefully. You can't until you know what his word says. Listen to this. The word of God is the will of God. People ask me as a pastor all the time, Pastor, how do I find out what the will of God is for my life? What they're referring to is job, occupation, or career. And, of course, we have things in place to help them discover that. But here's my general answer to anyone who wants to know the will of God for their lives. Start by doing the will of God, and you will discover his will for your life. A lot of times we want the results, but we don't want the fruit or the root that produces the fruit. Make a decision to do his will, and you will walk right into what his will is for your life. Is that simple enough for you? Now, what about the emotions? This is the part that a lot of people have the most difficulty controlling. Remember, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. There are times I can look people directly in the face and say X, Y, Z to them. And emotionally, they take it somewhere completely different. How many of you know that had nothing to do with what I said to them? It had everything to do with the current disposition that they were already in emotionally. So if you're seeing everything through lenses of failure and fear, then everything you hear, that's how you project it. It really wouldn't matter how it's articulated. The conclusion that you'll draw will always be the same. Like in a marriage with someone that's emotionally unstable. I love you. No, you don't love me. And then they go into explaining. How many know the one that said, I love you, what can he do in that situation? Or what can she do in that situation? Not a whole lot they can do, is it? Until that person decides to get themselves emotionally stable. I mean, I can't get my wife emotionally stable. She has to get herself emotional. I can bring her flowers, roses home all day long. And if she's emotionally unstable, those roses will mean nothing. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Okay, listen to this. This is my favorite one. Then we're going to wind up for the day. This is just the introduction. So you all understand we're going to look at this from a holistic perspective. The person who is emotionally prosperous can control their emotions. I mean, a lot of people are in jail today, Minister George, because of one emotional outburst. Great person all the way up to that point, one moment lost their emotions, now spending years in prison. So the person who is emotionally prosperous can control their emotions. I mean, a lot of people, please don't take this out of context, but typically weight gain is an emotional issue. Please don't take that the wrong way. But doctors, they all now can go back to some level of trauma in a person's life to pinpoint what triggered the weight gain. And what the food became is a a form of emotional comfort. Because every time I eat the food, it comforts me. So they can't control. So, So weight loss... I mean, I got to get control of my emotions before I can even attack the weight loss. I got to go back to the trauma that created the emotional response that sent me spiraling down this path. I mean, we can look at drugs. We can look at pretty much a lot of dysfunctional behaviors this exact same way. 
So if I have money, but, but I'm not emotionally stable, the, all the money is going to do, think about it. If you like strip clubs when you were broke, and you tricked off broke money at a strip club, now you're getting ready to fly to Vegas when you get a little money. So instead of tricking off ones, you're making it rain with 20s. And how emotionally stupid is that? For something that you'll never get a return on. But you were balling out of control. Come on, we're in Atlanta. Don't look at me like that. You believe it or not, my friends from Detroit, you know, one of the first questions they ask me, how long you been in Atlanta? And I'll say on and off probably about 11, 12 years. Tell me the truth, man. You've never been to one of them strip clubs? I said, man, I've never been to one of those strip clubs. He said, I, I just got to come one time, just experience. That's amazing that people associate Atlanta with strip clubs. I can go on and on and on and on and on. Alcohol, lying, cheating, stealing. Emotionally, these people are unstable. How I many know even in a marriage, when you get two people and, and they can go years without sleeping together, somebody's un- emotionally unstable in that situation. Right? And, and there's nothing the other person can do about that until the person themselves. Listen, folks, you've you got to work on you. See, what you're saying is when they change, then I'll, no, that's still you. Because they may not never change. But you can keep growing in spite of them. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. So I can still obey God. The reality is if she doesn't want to give me none, I got to be ready whenever she's ready. Because I've got a responsibility before God to deliver That's how I process that. (laughs) Word of God says, defraud ye not one another unless it be with consent. So if she coming, I got to (laughs) deliver. I got to obey God. Even if even I'm upset with her, angry with her about something, because I serve a higher authority, I must obey God. I can even look at her and say, you know what, I'm upset with you right now. But God said that I can't defraud you. So let's go make it happen. Then afterwards, I'll go back to being upset with you again. Right now, I'm getting ready to obey God. Come on, church. Come on, don't leave me out here by myself. Got to obey God, right? Going to prosper emotionally. And you notice you don't hear me talking about money, do you? Have I talked about money yet? Right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't get all this together, the money will be a form of destruction. All right, so now listen, and I'm just going to talk about this because I'm running out of my time. Jesus had complete control over his emotions. 
This is going to help people in here today. But yet he demonstrated emotion, right? You all remember at the tomb with Lazarus, the scripture said what? Jesus wept. So he had emotion, right? He just didn't have the same kind of emotion that everyone else had around the tomb who were blaming God. If you had been here, my brother hadn't died and all the other emotions that were negative that were being presented at that tomb. So Jesus wept. He cried. But let me give you the nugget here to he wasn't grief-stricken with that emotion. First, First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us to sorrow, but we shouldn't sorrow as others who have no hope. At the end of the day, we can show emotions, but we've got to get back to the Word of God and put our hope in the Word of God and trust Him. How many know what we went through a couple of years ago was trauma? How many know we were emotional behind that? But you got, you have to find out what God said. Get up and keep going. Listen to this. Here's the difference. Look at what Jesus did. He continued to move in the Spirit. He put his priorities where they belong, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. He showed emotion. Here's the key. But he wasn't moved by emotion. If you didn't get nothing out of what I just said, write that down. You can show emotion. Just don't let the emotion control you. What the emotion is designed to do, see, what, what Satan wants to do, especially when people, our loved ones die, what he wants is to get two people in the grave. And there's so many people, listen to me very carefully, from the moment they're immediate, what, they have been stuck at that moment emotionally. I can't get back up. I can't go. Christmas will never be the same without them. How come it can't be? It won't be the same, but it can still be good. And I can go on and on and on. Have emotion. Don't be moved by the emotion. Be moved by the Word of God. After studying this, I realized what Satan was trying to do was paralyze me emotionally and get me to a place, the biggest thing that came out of that for me, where I wouldn't trust anybody ever again, and that would be to my detriment and put a, a wall around that wouldn't hurt anybody but me. I'm the only one that's in prison, not the people that I'm trying to keep out. You all understand? Every time some kind of emotional trauma happens, that's what the enemy is trying to do is tell you, I told you so. You can't trust people. When in reality, I, I have a lot of great people in my life. In this room, you know, a lot of people say pastors will tell you, those people don't love you. Listen, there are people in this room that love me. I'm talking about love, love, love. Love me, my wife, and my kids. And I need to just tell you, I've never been as blessed in my life as I was for my birthday and Father's Day. Thank you all for every card, every Facebook message, every inbox, every gift. That's the most blessed I've ever been in my life. And I want you to know I appreciate it. So Jesus showed emotion. He just wasn't moved by it. Everyone get that because I'm going to unplug right there. Everyone get that on that particular point. Everybody get that? How many of y'all can look back over the course of your life and see some kind of emotional trauma? And you can see where, where, where really what the devil wanted to do was make life stop right there. Anybody here willing? All right. 
We can have emotion. We can't be controlled by it. And the way we control the emotion is through the word of God. We've got to put our hope in God. All right? Now, let me close with these thoughts, and we're done for the day. The world's definition of physical prosperity, I just want you to listen to these things carefully. The world's definition of physical prosperity pretty much can be summed up like this. It's really prosperity of the senses. I can see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, all the five senses. This includes gold, silver, financial favor or power, political favor or power, and social favor or power. So the world's definition of mental prosperity is prosperity of the soul really sums it up this way. It's a person who knows it all or know it all. If you put these two ideas together, you have a person who can use his mind or her mind to get financial or political power. Here's the problem with that model. The world's total concept of prosperity, you can easily, just by listening to that, see its drawbacks. Wealth and power cannot answer every problem. It cannot give you a good marriage. It cannot help you raise good kids. Come on, somebody. It cannot heal your body. It cannot give you peace of mind. I mean, there are a lot of people living in big houses with no peace. Big house, but nobody's home. That's the problem with that particular perspective and the drawback. At the end of the day, what all of those people end up learning is that money makes a lousy God. And I don't want to name names. Or, or There's a book I read at least once every five years, Why Great Men Fall. And pretty much a, every great political, social, entertainer, athlete, I mean, in every walk of life, the greatest of the great have fallen to this love of money. And it created all kind of ills and problems within their marriage and with their children. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd rather have a good marriage and raise healthy children than millions of dollars if I had to get that millions the wrong way. So money makes a lousy God. It can buy good health or can't buy good health, can't present, prevent sickness and disease from taking over someone's body. Typically, when a wealthy person gets sick, they want to buy their worthy health. Get me the best doctor. Give me the best this and that. How I many know what makes us, our wealth, far greater? We can go straight to the great physician himself. Come on, somebody. And listen to this. It does not have to call us, cost us a penny to get healed from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. And listen to this. It was paid for over 2,000 years ago for us to walk in that. What produces spiritual, mental, and physical prosperity? What brings all of those areas together, as we've talked about the entire morning, is the Word of God. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Let's read verse 12 very quickly. What brings all of this together, what synchronizes all of this, what makes it work together in a holistic manner is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the Word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It says here that it divides the soul and the spirit 
the joints and the marrow, all three levels of our existence, spirit, soul, and body, and that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, when you're walking in the Word of God, how many know you will prosper and be in health in every aspect of your life? When you're walking in the Word of God. A lot of people are saying, I can't figure it out. I just don't know why this isn't happening. Why aren't we? Well, you can go right back to how much of the Word are you walking in, right? And it's real simple. And I'm not talking about from a legalistic standpoint. I'm not saying you go do this and God will do that. No, you've got to believe that God has already done that. And all I'm doing is responding the right way through the Word of God, through my acts of obedience on the Word of God, so that I can walk in what He's already provided for me. Here's my summary statement from my introduction. We cannot settle for prosperity in the physical or mental realm only. So many people have said, if I go to school, get a good education, get an advanced degree, mentally learn all the things that I know, get a great job, earn a lot of money, then I'll be successful in one part of your life. But spiritually and in your soul. Ultimately, those two end up taking away what you even thought you had in the natural. So we can't settle. So you're going to see, I'm not getting ready to make this about one over the other. This is a holistic view. That's why I thank God I'm the pastor today. Because I get to share it the way God put it in my heart. It's not about if you give, God's going to pay your house off. God can do that. But that's not your purpose ever for giving. And there are a lot of people who want to attend church today because they gave that way and they didn't get their house paid off. And I can go on and on and on and on about somebody who told them if they do this, God's going to do that for them. You won't get that at Linked Up Church. I didn't say he couldn't do it. That will never be the purpose why you give. All right. <clears throat> so we can't settle. It would, e- it would be easy to just settle for spiritual prosperity. And so many have done this. But we can't afford to be lazy and discount physical and mental prosperity simply because we're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that with a mighty burning fire. So let me tell you what I've seen on the other side of that. First church uh, group that I belong to was Church of God in Christ. On fire. Listen to me. You don't. You you've never seen shouting before. <laughs> Matter of fact, we'd still be shouting. Pastor hasn't even gotten to the message yet because praise and worship still going on. We have had seven moves of the gifts of the Spirit by now. And I'm not making fun of any of this. I'm telling you, realistically, this is what was happening. And these were powerful services. I'm talking about nurses falling out, laptops being dropped down, services on fire. When that service ends, can I borrow $10 to get in my tank? True story. I'll never forget this as long as I live. One of the elders that they brought in, Elder Flagler, God rest his soul. I've never heard a message preached so powerful in my life. Lit that church up. I couldn't wait to meet him because I was like the little young, you know, coming up and coming little guy. I walked into church. 
Four weeks later, they made me leader over the entire Maranatha district of the youth ministry. I didn't even know what Maranatha meant. I thought, is that some kind of spread that you put on bread? What is Maranatha? True story. I'm over all of it, though, and don't know what it means. I'm there all of six weeks, Jermaine, and they said, young man's right here going to come up and do the benediction. I didn't know what a benediction was. I thought it was some eggs or something that they were, uh, all of this true story. I've been there all of six weeks. I'm over the whole Maranatha district, and I'm an elder, young elder in training. And I, I mean, at this point, I'm still listening to Easy E and, and Eric B and Rakim. I'm just keeping. Can I just be real with you all? I ain't even got all of that out, but I'm over the whole Maranatha district. What's my point here? All they pursued was spiritual prosperity. Back to the Elder Fagler example. End of that service, i never forget this. We, they invited me in the back, and he asked the pastor, God bless his soul, too. He said, prior to me coming, I had some car problems. And so, do you know of anyone that can give me a ride home? And I can remember thinking as a 22-year-old young man, something just don't look right about that image. And so I happened to get in the car uh, with them and, and rode, because they're training me, and, and rode to take me home. I could, no disrespect on anywhere, any place anyone lives, but I just heard this message about the wealth and that God has for us. And, you know, the, and so I, I can remember as a 22-year-old saying something about what he taught and what this man is living is not adding up. And I think a lot of times because a lot of church people settle for spiritual prosperity, and they don't go after the other areas of their lives to develop and grow in. And so shouting is good. How many know church is good on Sunday? But, man, you should be able to go out to eat sometime throughout the course of the week and order what you want. You should be able to take vacations. They'll tell you, uh, uh, Diane Walker was a member of our church in Orlando. I've got to close. Do you remember when I asked the entire church, how many of y'all, now Disney, you can see Disney from the church. If you're there at night, you can see the fireworks. Am I right or wrong? We're 15, 20 minutes away from Universal and Disney. I asked the congregation, how many of y'all have, ever been to, have never been to Disney? Or 85% of them raised their hand. And it's 20 minutes down the road. We're not enjoying life. We're enjoying church. But we're not enjoying life. And God designed this for it all to work together. It's good stuff, isn't it? Last verse and we're done. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Just my intro today. So we can't just settle be lazy and settle for spiritual prosperity. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That with a mighty burning fire. Come on, somebody. Right? At some point, we've got to get away from. You remember that whole season where someone would ask you, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored and empowered to prosper. But was that a reality in our lives? These became cliches after a while of what I call churchisms. Right? 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23, we close. Done with the intro. You'll notice here that the Word of God says here that the will of God is for us to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. Watch this now. And to be kept that way until the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. The will of God is that we be whole, spirit, soul, and body, right? And that we be kept that way until his return. I want to end on this thought today. It is possible for you to be spiritually prosperous your whole life. It's possible for you to be mentally, physically, emotionally prosperous your whole life. Watch this. And it's possible, possible for you to be financially prosperous your whole life. God never designed us to live our lives on a roller coaster. From blessing to tragedy, blessing to tragedy. We're supposed to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. This will be a paradigm shift. I mean, do you all want me to preach this? You want me to shout it a little bit? Is it okay if I just talk to you all over the next couple of weeks? Or do I got to put some sugar on it? God wants you to prosper, spirit, soul, and body, all the way until he... Re- do I need to do all of that? I can last longer as a minister and my vocal cords will be stronger if you all just let me talk to you. Is that okay? Can I just talk for several weeks or do I got to put something on it? Do I need to put something on it? I don't need to put nothing on it? You sure? Come on, God wants you to be blessed. Ah, ain't he all right? I know he's all right. I know he's all right. Yes. Do I need to do all that? Oh, they tuning me up back there in the back. Oh, they tuning me up back. <laughs> all right, do you all see where we're going with this? So you all understand, it's not ever just one aspect that God's talking about. We're talking about here total life prosperity. All right, you'll be able to evaluate very clearly. Sometimes, again, spiritually, we're on a high. We don't address the other areas of our lives. How many know natural education is important? A financial IQ is important. Right? We can't just stay in the Bible and not educate ourselves about how things work in the natural. We marry those two together, then we can have the fullness of everything that God wants us to have. So I'll stand to our feet. I enjoyed ministering to you all today. I don't know when the last time I had this much fun ministering the Word of God. Let's just lift our hands to the Father. And I want you to just do momentarily a little self-evaluation. Just kind of locate where you're at spiritually, your soul, your mind, will, your emotions. You in control of your emotions or your emotions in control of you? 
Have you controlled your thought life or is your thought life controlling you? Have you made a decision to align your will with the will of God or are you still out there trying to do your own thing? Are you still saying, this is what I want to do, God, but I want you to bless it. And God's always been the other way. No, this is what I'm blessing. Do that and the blessing is already built into it. So evaluate where you're at today in your journey, spiritually, in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and in your physical body. Do you honor God with what he's blessed you with? Or do you still think that you can do more with it than he can? Where are you at today? We're going to look at all of that because all of this is about getting our will in line with his will. And so, Father, as we've ministered today to the hearts and lives of your people, I plan it today, but I know they'll water, you'll water. They'll go back and pray and look at these verses over again and listen to SoundCloud. And ultimately, you'll give them an increase of revelation, understanding, Father, an increase and a desire to want to do right and do your will for their lives. And so, Father, I give you the glory, even on the introduction, for all the good that will come out of this service today. Thank you for it. Each and every life will never be the same again. Father, we won't go from glory to tragedy and from faith to trauma. We're going to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. That's your will for our lives. So if you're in this building today under the sound and authority of my voice, remember to prosper spiritually as you must be born again. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you today. There's really no need to go back and forth, to waffle back and forth. Make a decision today. I I call heaven and earth to record against you today that I set uh, blessings and curses. I set it all in front of you today.